Micah and Lindsay are our fearless lead pastors. How many of you know we have the greatest lead pastors in the world? Yes, we love you guys so, so, so much. And listen, he's going to be back next week. And I need you to know, next week is the week that you do not come alone. Next week is the week. Oh, I thought we were going to get loud there because we're excited about people getting saved. So next week is the week that you do not come alone. Come on, house family. Come on, go ahead and type into the chat online family. Who are you bringing to your house and your PJs next week? And uh, man, bring somebody. It's going to be special. It's going to be powerful. But we absolutely love our lead pastors, Pastor Micah and Lindsay. And I'm so honored to be able to speak to you this morning. And uh, we're going to dive right in. But like I said, my name is Nate. I'm one of the executive pastors here at the house. And uh, it is my greatest honor, me and my wife. Just moved here a few weeks ago. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, please, uh, I would love to meet you, whether that's in the chat or, or somewhere in the lobby at one of our locations. Man, I'd love to meet you. And uh, But I'm going to dive directly into the Word today. Come on, does anybody have their Bible in the building today? If you don't know, we're in our last installment of our final of this series just called Hello, Holy Ghost. Can you make some noise if this series has spoken to you lately? Man, I've been getting rocked in this series, and I just want to warn you, if you're new uh, to our campus, maybe you're online, uh, or, or maybe you're at one of our other locations, uh, I want to let you know we are a loud church. Can I get an amen? We get a little bit wild and crazy, and, and hear me, don't judge our volume because you don't know our story. We're passionate because of what God has brought us out of. We're passionate because of what the Holy Spirit has done through us already. And uh, man, we love you and we're so honored that you're watching with us. Galatians 5 is where we're going to be reading from. Uh, and this is our series scripture. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, everybody say peace. That's the one we're talking about today. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. There is no law against these things. I want to talk on this topic of peace for just a moment. We're going to have some fun. And uh, I want to read this scripture about peace. It says this in John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Oh, I love it. I'm leaving you with a gift. Any ladies in the room? Gifts is your love language. Men, look around. That's not who you go for, okay? I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. Are you thankful for that gift? So don't be troubled or afraid. Um, you know, I, uh, anybody need peace in this quarantine with your children right now? Come on, can I get an amen from some of the parents? Can I get a witness online? Come on, throw it in there. And, uh, you know, me and my beautiful wife who's down here, dang, girl, you fine down there? Okay. And uh, me and my beautiful wife, we've got two babies and uh, five and three, and we're trying to teach them the art of sharing. Okay. Can I get a witness from the people who know the struggle? <laughs> trying to teach them the art of sharing. The problem is I'm trying to teach them how to share, but I don't like to share. Any dads in the room, you feel that way? I feel like there's a few things in life that we're not called to share. Exhibit A, my food. I don't like to share my food. I just feel like that's mine. I don't want you to. And inevitably, at every meal, my youngest, Andy, will look at me and say, Daddy, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I look back and say, you need to get a job then. Because Legos don't pay bills, son. And he'll look at me. I'm hungry, though. I thought we shared, Daddy. 
And I'm like, fine. So I'll give them a little bit of my food. The problem with sharing your food with children is it never comes back the same. There's always something left over, left in the water, floating on top. It's like, what is this foreign object that came out of your mouth? This is nasty. That's ridiculous. I can't do it anymore, church. And so we, we made up this plan. I was like, you know what? We're going to buy them their own water bottles, okay? We're going to label them everything. This is all you drink from right here. And so we presented it, and we're like, uh-oh, we got you a gift. It's all in how you say it as a parent. Come on. And we pull up these water bottles, and we're like, look, Jack, this is your bottle. Andy, this is your bottle. You only drink from this bottle. Don't even look at mine. You know, like, this is it. And they were so excited. I mean, I was upset. We probably just should have gave them bottles for Christmas. You know what I mean? They were so pumped. And the next day, we're going to the park, and then I hand them their bottles. Like, don't forget your bottles of water. And about five minutes into the walk towards the park, Andy goes, Daddy's heavy. It's heavy. Can you carry it? And I said, number one, my name is not Uber, and I do not carry anything for you. Number two, I provided what you needed, but it's your responsibility to pick it up and carry it. I gave you peace as a gift, but it's our responsibility to daily pick it up and put it on. You know what my problem is, church, is that some of us, all of us, in fact, have access to the same peace. But some of us forget to place it on each day. And we're saying, God, where did it go? And he said, I gave you a gift, but you still have to unwrap it. I gave you a gift, but you still have to put it on. I gave you a gift, but you still have to choose it. What if our peace was waiting for us, not the other way around? What if today we realize that peace is a choice, not a feeling? I want to read this story very quickly, and then we're going to dive in about a moment where Jesus's peace was tested. It says this, it says this in Luke chapter four, verse 14. It says, then Jesus armed with the Holy Spirit's power returned to Galilee and his fame spread throughout the region. And he taught in the synagogue and they glorified him. And when he came to Nazareth where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. And when Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he unrolled the scroll and read where it is written. And this is it right here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to be hope for the poor. Come on. Do you believe that today? Somebody needs to claim this as I read it. Freedom for the brokenhearted. New eyes for the blind. And to preach to prisoners. You are set free. Can I get an amen on that? It says, I've come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. And after he read this, he rolled up the scroll, dropped the mic, handed it back to the minister and sat down. And everyone stared at Jesus, wondering what he was about to say. And then he added, these scriptures came true today in front of you. And everyone was impressed by how well Jesus spoke. Now, here's where it gets crazy. Everyone was impressed by well, how well he spoke and all the beautiful words of grace that came from his lips. But they were surprised at his presumption to speak as a prophet. So they said among themselves, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? This is Joseph's son who grew up here in Nazareth. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 24, but let me tell you, no prophet is welcomed or honored in his hometown. Jumping down to verse 28, it says, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him, forced him to the edge of a hill on which the town was built, and they intended to push him over the cliff. But... He passed 
right through the crowd. He passed right through the crowd. This is for somebody today that in the midst of your struggle, you're not just going through it. You're going to make it through it. Come on, I don't care what's coming against you. We have a God that already defeated death, and he's living inside of us. And I need you to know that whatever's coming against you, your peace is currently present in the room. The title of my message is so simple today. Peace is my present. Peace is my present. Uh, here's the problem. is This story right here was not, it was not an attack on Jesus' life. It was actually an attack on his peace. Because if the enemy can destroy your peace, then he can destroy your purpose. Because peace is what carries us to our purpose. So the enemy's number one job is to destroy your peace in the midst of your purpose, not to destroy you. What if we recognize that peace is a present that the enemy cannot take away? Peace is a present that I have to put on daily. Peace is a present that I choose every waking moment because it's available to me today. Look at your neighbor and say, peace is my present. Look at your other neighbor and say, you can't have it. Come on, can we pray today? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you're going to anoint every word that you're going to move in this place. And that, God, you are going to have your way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people once again said, amen, amen. Thank you, Tabari. You're amazing. I love you. Give it up for our worship team. Are they not amazing? They're so, so great. So, so great. The fastest way to make a woman angry is to consistently look at your phone in the middle of conversation. Yeah, someone was hurt. I heard you back there. <laughs> hey, men, if you don't believe me, just ask my wife. Okay? I'm going to tell you, the fastest way to ruin a date is to check the score of the Cowboys game. Again, just ask my wife. There's something about it, right? And, and this is the problem is that we constantly look at our phones. Anybody with me on this? We're constantly looking at it. And in fact, it's weird. I'll be in the middle of a conversation, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm just looking at my phone. And Adrian's like, what did I last say? And I'm like, I know it. You know it. Let's say it at the same time. And then all of a sudden, we'll know that we knew. And she's like, you weren't even listening to me. And, and, and I'll look at it, and I'll, I'll be like, oh, I didn't even realize. And she's like, really? I'm like, I swear it buzzed. Did you know? Have you ever been there where, like, you know your phone buzzed, and you pull it out, and you don't have any messages? I looked this up. This is a real thing. It is called phantom phone vibration syndrome. It's actually called phantom phone vibration, but I called syndrome at the end of it so I could tell Adrian it was a medical condition. Okay. <laughs> phantom phone vibration, where literally it says, it says this. This is a medical thing. It says that when your world revolves fully around this, your brain will send a signal to your leg that will tell you to check for a text. This is crazy because your brain is so trained to respond to this vibration, it will let you know to check it even when it doesn't vibrate. Let me say it like this. Um, we are so accustomed to check the text, no matter who's in front of us and what surrounds us, that your brain will tell you to check the text and filter whatever is coming at you through the text you're receiving. I'll say it like this. What if we as Christians got God syndrome 
where no matter what came against us, no matter who was talking to us, no matter what situation surrounded us, we got this text. Hold up. You talking down to me? Oh, I just got a text. It says that I'm royalty. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You said, I don't have a future. I just got a text. It says that he planned me to have a future. I was born with one. Hold on. You said that I'm not worth anything. He says that he adopted me because I was that important. I just got a text. I wonder what would happen if in the middle of our battle, we got some phantom God syndrome up in here. Uh, the problem is this. The problem is this. We want to read the text we prefer, not the text in full. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because you can't read the text halfway. And I think that's the issue, right? What, what if God, what if Jesus in this situation, what if in the middle of you filtering your world through man's opinion, you recognize that your peace is actually rooted in God's opinion? Uh, that's number one. I got three points today, and, and I'm going to go quickly. But my peace is rooted in God's opinion. The problem is, is that We've got God on do not disturb mode, so how can he invade to give peace? I'll put it to you like this. If God can't disturb your Friday night, then he can't bring peace to your anxiety on Monday morning. I'll put it like this. If God can't disturb what you're watching on your TV, then he can't interrupt your marriage issue on Tuesday. Because you can't have God on do not disturb on some days and then put him and expect to feel the alert on another day. I need you to recognize that in order to have phantom God syndrome, you have to be fully involved in the text. Here's what Isaiah says about peace. It says this right here. And this righteousness will bring peace. That's like a dirty word, ain't it? Like we just don't want righteousness. This righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. I think the thing that we hate about the word righteous is we think it means perfection. Uh, oh, so you're saying, Nate, that I have to live perfectly in order to carry peace in my life. No, I'm saying you have to live available in order to carry peace in your life. Hear me on this. God's goal is not for you to be perfect. It's for you to be listening. And the problem is we've ignored him so much when we don't want him that we can't hear the text on days that we need him. This is where we carry a lack of peace in our life, in a season where we're in pain, in a season that doesn't make sense. It, it, this is where we, we carry this thing that we, we really don't need, we really don't want. And this is where Jesus finds himself. Isn't it crazy that Jesus had such confidence at the temple? In fact, when you're looking at this story... I started to research it, and it doesn't quite make a lot of sense because Jesus was the son of a carpenter, and he is interpreting Hebrew. Like, this is wild. Do you know that Jesus did not have the formal education to be interpreting the Hebrew that he was reading? That's what's so crazy. That's why when it says that they were impressed with him, it's not saying that he spoke eloquently. It's that he was speaking in another language that he never learned. They were looking at him and saying, how does this carpenter know Hebrew? How does this carpenter, where did he have the time to form the education to be able to read something that he wasn't supposed to understand? And it says that he was reading. They were amazed and they listened to what he had 
to say. And then they said it, and it's so good. Isn't this Joseph's son? Mm. Anytime you start to reflect God, the world will remind you of your humanity. Isn't this Joseph? How does he know? How does he know Hebrew? That's crazy. He should not know Hebrew. You know what I found is when you filter your future through man's opinion, you will constantly shock God at how little you do. But when you filter your future through God's opinion, you will constantly shock man with how great you become. Because all of a sudden, you are looking into a lens that only you can see. How does he know Hebrew? Maybe God pressed it upon his heart in the moment and said, I'm going to do a miracle where there is lack. Because in your weakness, I am made strong. I just need you to have some confidence and some peace to be able to walk into rooms that you don't deserve to be in. And trust that I placed you there for a reason. Trust that I placed you there for a reason. Um, Anybody know Sunday naps hit different? You know, y'all felt it. I know. I know. Um, about six months ago, I was, uh, you know, taking a siesta. And uh, here we are. It's a Sunday. I'm supposed to be studying for my message for our young adults night there in Modesto that night. But I passed out on the couch. And, you know, Sunday naps, they're like a coma, you know. You wake up. You don't know your name. You don't know what year it is. You don't know if it's winter or summer. You're just confused. So you can imagine my surprise when I wake up to the sound of my wife screaming at the top of her lungs. See, while I was asleep in this Sunday siesta, my youngest, my three-year-old, two at the time, had gotten completely naked. Okay, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, somebody. And he had covered himself head to toe in lotion. Okay, which I'm not even, I'm not even judging. Sometimes you ask, you got to moisturize. I get it. But he had realized he overdid it. So he decided he was going to take a bath. But hear me, he did not want to take a bath in the bath because that's normal and he's a wild animal. (laughs) He decides to take a bath in our downstairs sink. And his little bear tushy clogged the drain. So as he's taking a bird bath, completely naked in our downstairs the water is flooding over and he's having the time of his life and when he is done get this he does not turn the water off he just goes upstairs completely naked and soaking wet looking for a towel (laughs) leaves the water running so about 20 minutes after that you can imagine my surprise when I wake up to my wife screaming and a half an inch of water on our living room floor Oh, I'm panicked. I am freaking out. I jump up. I'm wading through the water. Okay, it's like it was a foot tall. It's, it's a half an inch. But there I am. And there's water everywhere. My wife is freaking out. She's like, where are the kids? Weren't you supposed to be watching them? I'm like, I'm sorry, Adrian. I was studying for a message to change the hearts of the youth culture. And I fell into a slumber. And she looks at me and goes, where are the children? I go, I have no clue. And about that time, we're panicking. About that time, Andy naked, comes walking downstairs and goes, whoo, water, (laughs) like he was confused about it. I said, do you know anything about this? And he goes, Andy did that. And then he walked away confidently, which is crazy, right? Because if anyone should have been worried, it should have been Andy. Because the one thing I know about Andy is he for sure 
does not pay for homeowner's insurance. In fact, he can't even spell insurance. And yet he walked away confidently. But I guess that makes sense, Why, right? Why worry about something that someone else is going to pay for? Why worry about something that someone else has already paid the price for? Why worry about things in your life that God says, I already walked through that for you. I already paid the bill on that with you. I've already paid for it. And in the midst of our worry, we lose our posture. What if I told you that peace is seen in your posture? My peace is seen in my posture. I can tell very quickly if you have peace or not by the posture when you get an unexpected bill. I can tell very quickly if peace is normal to you when you're going through trouble and how you carry yourself. I don't know what it would be like if a whole bunch of people at the house online right now, this is for you. If a whole bunch of people that in the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of their chaos, in the midst of their junk, started to walk around like Andy saying, yeah, I may have did that, but God's going to pay for that. I may have made that happen, but God's going to fix that for me. I may be walking through it, but somebody's going to clean that mess up because I have a purpose and I have a destiny and there's a grace that sits on my life so my posture will stay in peace. I used to get so mad because uh, I grew up in the South and um, I got whoopings on the way to church all the time. That's the truth, right? My mom could be listening to worship music, Darlene check in the front, whooping me in the back, you know, and I'd get whooped and we'd be arguing and, and I would lose immediately, you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden we're walking in, I'm halfway crying, I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, are you good? And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. My mom's like, you better be fine. About time. We stop up in the front row because I was a PK, and uh, I'm trying to, trying to get my spirit on, and, and I'm just upset. I'm angry, all these emotions. And I will watch my mother, Karen, that's her name, with the same hand Karen was swatting in the back seat, she will be praising on the front pew. And I'm like, that's fake, Karen. That's fake. It made me so mad. I'm like, how are you not emotionally disturbed by what just took place in the car? I mean, I deserved it, but come on. At least take a moment to recognize my pain. But she would go from whooping my tail in the back to worshiping on the front row. And then I got to thinking, if that bothered me, that in the midst of getting disciplined, my mom could still worship, how much more does it bother the enemy when he throws everything at you and your posture is still like this? How much more does that bother the devil himself when he is bringing every unexpected bill, every trial, every issue, everything to take your peace, everything to take out your kids, everything to take out your marriage, everything to get you furloughed? And in the middle of my junk, this is my posture. I'm good. I'm good because peace is rooted in God's opinion and it's seen in my posture. It's seen in my posture. Uh, Philippians 4 says this. I love the way that it puts it in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. It's slightly quiet when I say that because y'all are like, okay, that ain't real life though. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I love this. It's, it's difficult to apply. Thank him for all he has done. But then here it is. Then. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Uh, can, can you see? 
can you see Jesus in the middle of his mess that as he's preaching the gospel and he's passionately giving a word and he's doing what everyone else said he couldn't do, all of a sudden they start asking the question, isn't this Joseph's son? You know, I happen to believe that when they were saying, isn't this Joseph's son, they were referring to the career he should have had. They're saying, I know, I know that you're preaching, but you should be building something. Uh, listen, I know, I know that like you're pretty smart. That's great. Go build a new type of chair, though. Like I can imagine the thoughts in their head are, listen, you can build my house, but don't ha- tell me how to manage mine. Look, you can build some chairs, but don't tell me how to build my life over here, Jesus. Because the reality is being a carpenter is much more stable. Do you know that peace and stability are the opposites of each other? That anytime God offers you peace in the midst of your instability, the enemy will offer, often offer you stability. Watch, this is crazy. Because in the midst of God saying, take a leap of faith, I'm going to fill you with peace on the way there. The enemy will say, stay here, I'll fill you with stability where you don't need peace. Some of us are confusing stability with peace. The problem is in the midst of stability, God doesn't have room to show his ability. So he's got to move you into instability and give you the peace to carry you through it so he can show the world that he is able even when you're unstable. Well, what if God is trying to move you into a season that you don't understand? Because he's trying to show how good he is, but you can't release the stability on our life right now. I'll put it in real terms. Got hit with an unexpected bill. And you want me to tithe? Come on, been furloughed, and we want to build a new building for the house? It's getting uncomfortable. I'll stop talking about money. Okay. You're telling me that when I'm having to pick up a second job, you want me to serve? You're you're telling me that in the midst you want me to run an age group? I don't even spend time with my kids. Oh, how, how am I supposed to lead? When I can't even lead my own family, I've lost my peace in the midst of my, because I lost my instable, I'm I'm unstable, my instability is showing. And God's saying, I can actually only be seen in your instability. So I made you unstable, even to the point of being pushed to your edge, which is actually where we find Jesus. That in the midst of his sermon, he is interrupted, possibly one of the greatest sermons to ever be told, because he literally just reads scripture and says, and that is me. (laughs) What a boss. Uh, Come to set the captives free, and I'm here. I'm going to give the hopeless hope. Drop the mic. And then they waited for him to say more, but he didn't have anything. It is done. It is done. It is done. And they drive him to an edge of a cliff because what he was didn't fit their narrative of what he should have been. Uh, the world will often get so confused that why are, they, why are they happy in the midst of their pain? And they'll push you, and the enemy will push you, and he'll push you up against the cliff. In fact, this cliff, it's, it's pretty special what this was called. Um, it, it said this, and I'm going to tell you exactly what this cliff was because it's important that you understand the name. It's called Mount Precipice. Everybody say precipice. This was the mountain of the leap. 
That's what it's called. What I found is anytime the enemy is making an attempt on your peace, he will give you a way to jump out. Anytime the enemy is trying to take away something that God gave you, he's going to give you a way to jump ship. So you're pushed to the edge of Mount Precipice, and it's important that you understand what mountain it was because what mountain it was tells you what valley it overlooked. And this valley was the Valley of Jezreel. Now, if you've never studied it, the Valley of Jezreel was really known for two things. The first was all of the Old Testament battles that happened with the Israelites on this field. The most recent of those battles was in 1 Samuel when Saul lost the battle to the Philistines and the entire Israelite army was destroyed. That was the last battle to be had on that field. It's funny, isn't it, that when the devil is making an attempt on your peace, he will push you to the breaking point on the edge of a cliff and he will show you the last battle that you lost. And the second thing the Valley of Jezreel was known for was it was called, it was called the Valley of the Promised Land because it was supposed to be the most fertile soil in all the land. So the devil not only pushes you to your edge when he's trying to steal your peace, he shows you the last battle that you lost, and then he shows you the promises that haven't come to pass. And this is where our mind is flooded with God. You didn't help me there. You're not helping me now. And you haven't done that yet. And this is where Jesus finds himself. But it never says he looked into the valley. Isn't it interesting that it never says, and band, you can rock with me. It never says that he looked back into the valley. Because this is where we find ourselves. When we start to lose our peace, we start to think, oh, my peace would have been better if I was way back then. Maybe I'll have peace if I revert back to that battle. If I re revert back to what was in the valley. Or maybe my peace is just for the future. Problem is, if you always think the peace is found in the future, you'll never have it in the present. This is the line that I hear so often. I'll have peace when. I'll have peace when. When I get the right job, I'll have peace. When I start making this money, I'll have peace. Man, you know what? When I get married, come on, single people, I'll have peace. If God couldn't give you peace, what makes you think that person could? Here we find ourselves at the precipice where we want to jump ship and we want to quit because we think God didn't show up now. He didn't show up back then. And he certainly isn't showing up in the future because of all these promises that have failed for me. And this is where we find Jesus, the Savior of the world. This is a, this is a weak moment, what it looks like. It's a vulnerable moment where you're like, you're the Savior of the world, Jesus. And you are being backed into a corner by people that you apparently created? Oh, why, why are you being backed into a corner after preaching the greatest sermon of all time? You all of a sudden lost all your power? Um, this last week I was uh, trying to teach Jack how to swim. The struggle is real, okay? And uh, he is a fearless, fearless kid. But for some reason water is just terrifying to him. 
and, and I'm trying to teach him, and, and here's Andy, he's three, he's already like almost swimming on his own, and, and Jack, you know, he's five, and God bless his heart, he just, he just, he's going to hate me for this one day, because he's going to listen to this later on, and, but he just hates, he hates the water, I'm like, you got to learn how to swim, I mean, what happens when you get pushed into a pool, you know, like, and I'm not there, you got to learn how to swim, and I'm like, just swim to me, just swim to me, and he won't do it, and so I'm like, all right, I'll carry you out into the water, I'll carry you out in the water, and so I, I pick him up, and I start walking down past the shallow end into the deep end. And the deeper we go, the more scared he gets and the harder he grips. And at, at one point, I'm like, my back is bleeding. You need to release my son. <laughs> this is outrageous. And, and he's, I'm like, just let go. He's like, mm, I can't. He's shaking. And he's terrified of the water. And I'm like, look, I am, I am right here. Look, Jack, I can understand if you were scared in my absence but why would you be scared in my presence? I can understand if you lost your peace if I wasn't here, but why are you losing your peace when I am here? I can understand if you lost, listen, hear me on this, and this is for somebody online, someone at another location right here in Fort Worth. I don't know who you are, but you need to hear this today, that God's peace, hear me on this, it's originated and rooted in God's opinion. It's seen in your posture, but it's maintained in his presence. It's maintained in his presence because where he is, his peace follows. Hear me on this. This is so, so vitally important for you to catch because here I am. I look at Jack and I'm like, and I realized really quickly, the only way he's going to learn how to swim is if I let him go and I start swimming ahead of him. The, hear me on this. The only way you learn how to get through your junk is if you stop clinging and freezing and start going through it. This is important. God is waiting for you to walk with him through your haters. God is waiting for you to carry your peace with you through what you're walking through. I love this scripture because I'm, I'm literally, I'm on the elliptical at the gym two nights ago and I'm like, God, why were you trying to escape? I was looking like a soccer mom and I'm praying and I'm partially crying because that's what happens when I'm writing sermons and I'm sitting here and I'm just looking weird. And about that time, God speaks to me and says, son, because that's what he calls me. And he says, son, he says, I wasn't trying to escape. I was trying to finish my sermon. I wasn't trying to escape them. I was pulling off the greatest illustration ever told. Because what I promised you at the church was that I was going to set the captives free. So I allowed them to take me captive so that you would know that in the midst of your captivity, when you're pushed to your edge and the enemy is showing you your past and he's showing you the promises that haven't come to pass, you would know that no matter what is coming against you, no matter what is yelling at you, no matter what tries to label you, no matter what is fighting you, you can walk forward fully enthroned in peace and hear me on this, they can't touch you. I was living out the sermon that I had just spoken. I had to be captured so that you would know that you can make it too. I had to be pushed to the edge so that you would know that you weren't alone on the edge. I had to be, uh, hear me on this, I had to take Jack into the depths in order to lead him onto the shallow. 
Oh, what if we recognize that Jesus said, I was captured so you would know that I'm in captivity with you. I exist to set the captives free, but you were never called to lose your peace in the midst of your captivity. You were never called to lose your peace when you were in between a rock and a hard place, when you're looking at your past and things don't measure up, when you're looking at your future and you look at the promises that haven't come to pass. Your peace is not in your past. It's not in your future. It is in your present. It is in your present. Could you stand across this room? I believe there are some people in this room that need to hear this thought today. God's presence is present. So your peace is also present. But you're going to have to pick it up. You're going to have to pick it up. Do you know what you can't carry at the same time while you carry peace? Your opinion. Because, hear me on this, if peace is rooted in God's opinion, your opinion's getting in the way. Hmm. I thought it should have gone like this. If you lose your peace over what you thought should have happened, then you'll never have your peace when God's doing what needs to happen. If you're here, all eyes closed across the room, you say, I have lost my peace. Here's the beautiful part. Jesus waited in captivity for you. And he said, when you're ready, I'm going to swim away. You know what's so powerful? When I was teaching Jack how to swim, when I let go of him, he recognized that he was safer to go forward in my presence than to stay stuck in his panic. This is a word for you. You are safer to keep moving forward with him in the midst of your panic than to stay stable in your panic because your peace is where his presence is. Hear me on this. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. If you're missing your peace, maybe you're just not available to it. In this place, you say, I'm ready to open my heart back up to God's peace. I'm ready to take it in because peace is not a place, it's a person. And you say, I need peace to enter into my spirit right now. No matter what you're walking through, I'm letting you know right here, your circumstances do not scare God. If you're in this place, you say, I've lost my peace. Can you throw both hands in the air right here online? Put the little hand emoji in there. Just say, that's me if you're online and you're watching right now. Modesto, San Diego, Modesto, downtown, wherever you are. Come on. And we're going to pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I fully surrender right here, right now to you. I'm available fully because I recognize that peace is rooted in your opinion, peace is seen in this posture, and peace is maintained in your presence. So I'm asking you to come in and fill me with your peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. I'm believing there's peace going all across the wavelengths out there, that God is filling you with what you didn't have before you came in here. Before you go anywhere, I want, I want to let you know that some of you maybe haven't felt peace because you're saying, man, honestly, I've never even started a relationship with peace. And you're sitting here and you're just saying, man, I got to start a relationship with Jesus today. You already invited his peace. Let's have a formal get together with Jesus right here. And you say, maybe I'm, maybe I'm drifted far away from God. I'm fully away from him. And honestly, today is when I got to get right again. Today is when I got to start right again. Again, the goal will never be perfection. The goal will always be availability. 
that God can get to you at any time. And you say, today, I'm starting over with Jesus. If that's you, throw your hand in the air right now. Come on online. I love it. I love it. Keep those hands up. Come on. Can we give it up for him? What courageous men and women of God. We're going to pray this last prayer as a family. Online, I want you to pray this with us too. We got some people that want to pray with you online. And wherever you are, can we say this? Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I start fresh with you. Forgive me of my sins. Walk with me. Be my best friend. Amen, amen, amen. Can you give it up for Jesus one more time?